The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Thanks for having me today. My name is Aaron, and uh, it is great to be here. I'm a little bit um, outside of exactly the Seattle area. When you think Seattle, you think like city, and I'm more like in the country. Um, and uh, it is our privilege at our church at Calvary Baptist to have your pastor at our church um, every year since I've been pastor. And uh, as, as your pastor said that we are great friends, I'm so thankful to have a friend like your pastor. And uh, he really is a blessing. I was going to tell that story how, we, how you met Jenny. Um, you know, we're, we're, I think we were on the bus and, and uh, I'm sitting next to your pastor and uh, Jenny walks on the bus. I think she was the last one to get on the bus. And um, honestly, it was love at first sight. At least for Josh. And uh, so, um, but uh, they are, they're, they're just a, a great, great couple. And I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to be with you. Um, but I don't want to take too much time. And uh, if you would, open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 6. And also Proverbs chapter 13. And uh, that's where we're going to be this morning. Thank you so much for um, just the opportunity that I have to spend a little time with you. Uh, I love your church. I've not been here much. um, But uh, I I know your pastor. You have such a wonderful pastor. You have such a great staff. I don't know if you realize just um, the caliber of people that, um, not just your pastor, but that that serve with your pastor. Um, I I have several friends here this morning that they are uh, incredible servants. Some of them incredible preachers. Um, Just, uh, um, and uh, just glad to be able to be here and uh, humbled. But uh, Proverbs chapter 6 is where we're going to be. This morning I've entitled the sermon, People Are Crazy. Now, uh, we're talking about crazy as in relationships. Uh, um, and you might ask, you know, what do you, what do you mean people are crazy? And what we mean is that crazy, as defined, can be defined as senseless or impractical. Crazy, like senseless or impractical, totally unsound. Like, that was crazy. Something that's just, it just doesn't make any sense, right? And we tend to think that people are crazy, but we don't really see ourselves as crazy very often. We, it's just kind of, we, we think, well, they're crazy, those people over there, um, that church over there, um, that preacher over there, right. Uh, we think uh, that family over there, they're crazy, but we're not crazy. That's just kind of how we are wired. That's how we all naturally think. And, um, but this morning, I need us to see ourselves as crazy. So let's have a little moment of honesty. We're in church, Amen. Are you ready? I want you to say it with me. I am crazy. Say it again. I am crazy. All right, you're going to need to remember that. And we need to be honest with ourselves because really, honestly, we need to see ourselves in this context today. Um, We tend to be patient. We tend to be gracious. We tend to be kind to perfect strangers. While on the same note, There are times when we can be harsh, quick, sometimes hurtful in our words to the people that we love most and the people that love us most. And it's in this way that we are all crazy. 
you've probably never spoken so harshly to, uh, to a, a, maybe somebody that was checking you out at Walmart as you have to the person that you love best of all. And it's crazy, isn't it? It's senseless. It's impractical. I mean, why would anybody, but the fact of the matter is, I do. And so I need to see myself this morning as crazy because we, as we open up the scripture, as we dive in, as, as, as we are going to, um, to seek God um, through his word this morning, we need to recognize who we are. We don't preach to the millions of people outside of the wall of the Ambassador Baptist Church, but we preach to us. We need to see. I am crazy. Uh, now, now, let's, let's have another honest moment. Would you want the person next to you and tell them I'm crazy? And the person on the other side is telling them I'm Yes, you are. All right, all right. And uh, if you would turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13, we're going to start in verse number 10, and then we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 6. And so thank you so much for being here. I've timed myself. And, um, but uh, Rip Hubby, he told me that uh, he came to get in, not to get out. Just kidding. I won't do that to you. All right. Proverbs chapter 13. All right. Verse number 10. It says here, only by pride cometh contention. But with the well advised is wisdom. Only by pride cometh contention contention. Um, The first point this morning is pride makes us crazy. Only by pride cometh contention. Now contention is problem. So it's Father's Day, right? So let's talk, let's talk to a minute just for us dads. I'm a dad. I have a four-year-old named Jake and a two-year-old named Lexi and they are just unbelievably awesome. They are just amazing little people, you know. And in fact, as we were, you know you're from the Seattle area when as you're on your way to Ambassador Baptist Church, your son looks out the window and he says, Dad, what happened to the clouds? You don't get it. There's blue sky. He's never seen that before. Like, these, uh, this, what is this ball of burning fire in the sky? Um, why, why is there not rain, you know? Um, so, uh, but uh, Jake and Lexi, and they're wonderful. But it, now, as a dad, I need to guard my heart. I need to guard my speech. I need to guard myself from this sin of pride, right? I need to do this as a husband. I need to do this as an employer or an employee. I need to do this as a friend. Because we are all crazy people. I can, be, I can be so gracious toward perfect strangers, right? I mean, I, I might even have a bad attitude about it. Have you ever been at a restaurant where the waiter or the waitress, like, I don't know about you, but um, um, I'll order like an iced tea and I can drink, I can drink like three gallons of iced tea at any one sitting at any restaurant. I'm going to get my money's worth. Um, I, I think I, there might be something wrong with me, I'm not sure, but um, I can drink a lot of iced tea. And sometimes I can like kind of get annoyed if the waiter or the waitress isn't bringing me iced teas fast enough, which I should be more gracious because nobody can bring me iced teas fast enough. But, um, so, uh, but, but even, even in those moments of pride when I'm feeling kind kind of uh, maybe frustrated at somebody that I don't know, I'm, I never take it out on them, do I? Like, we don't do that. We are 
we are polite people, right? We just kind of like, hey, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. And they, maybe I'll ask the, wait, the, the waiter for, can I have another refill of my iced tea? And maybe he'll say, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. And 20, 30 minutes goes by. And, oh, I forgot the iced tea. And I'll say, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm just, I'm just like, you know, uh, like dying here. I don't say that. I think it in my mind, right? We don't say those things to perfect strangers. Oh, but we're quick to the people we love best. Sometimes, listen, listen, dad, one of the greatest things you can do for your kids is love your wife well, is to love their mom well. And as our children watch us interact with mom and as our kids watch us love mom and our kids are going to watch the way we talk to mom and someday they're going to talk to mom the way we talk to mom, dad. Someday. So however you choose to talk to mom now, someday that's going to flesh out in the life of your kids, especially your boys. And when that day happens, right, if, 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 we're, if, we are, if we are not treating mom well, if we are not speaking rightly to her, if we are not treating her with dignity and respect and love and honor, if we're not doing that for mom, one day, uh, you know, Junior's going to grow up and he's going to feel like he has every right to talk to mom that way because that's what grown men do because that's what he learned just kind of by being around dad and it happens on accident and nobody does this on purpose and all I'm saying is the reason we do this, the reason we treat the people we love best and the people that love us most wrongly is because we're all crazy. There's nobody here today that's outside of this sermon because pride touches all of us. And the fact is that the scripture tells us that only by pride cometh contention. It is, the contention is the problem. It is, problems come from pride. That's how they start. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 6, would you? Only by pride cometh contention. I want you to remember that word contention. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 16 says this. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Alright, this is a list of things God hates. We, we, we together? Alright. Um, verse 17, a proud look. What does it say? A what? A proud look. Pride's at the top of the list. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. He that soweth discord among the brethren. Do you know what the word dis... You know what another word for discord is? Contention. Another word for discord is contention. And only by what cometh contention? Pride. Only by pride cometh contention. The only reason that we have relational problems, the only reason that we treat mom wrong or kids wrong or anybody for that matter wrong, the reason we do that is because of pride. Only by pride cometh contention. And on the list of things God hates... He says, number one, a proud look. God hates pride, right? And then seven are an abomination. The last on the list, so it starts with pride and it ends with pride because he says, um, uh, 
it says, he that soweth discord among the brethren. He that sows discord. He that sows contention. He that is proud. You see, in the list of things that God hates, it starts with pride and it ends with pride. You see, we often think of pride as a little sin. We think pride as kind of not really a big deal. We think, you know, um, uh, you know we, we've got lists that are like, these are the big sins. We're thinking, okay, uh, adultery and murder and, uh, and, and, and all kinds of, you know, sexual um, kind of immorality and uh, all kinds of other sins and these are the big sins and whatever it is and your sin, um, your sin list, the big sin list might be slightly different than somebody else in the room but they're probably generally pretty close and we've got this list in our mind like this is a really bad sin and this is a sin that's not so bad but most of us if we were honest probably none of us would have the sin of pride on our list. But pride is on God's list. Six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven is an abomination. He starts the list with pride. He ends the list with pride. You see, pride causes us to make unnecessary divisions, unrighteous judgments, and unloving statements, and causes us to make unwise actions. Pride is the root problem of all our problems. It's the root of all of our problems. Only by pride cometh contention. It's the root issue. It's the problem behind the problem. If your problem is uh, speaking badly towards somebody, the, pro- the problem behind the problem is pride. If your problem is um, whatever it is, it could be um, lust, it could be um, anger, it could be hate, it could be bitterness. Listen, behind it all, the problem behind the problem is pride. It always is. And let me say this this morning, that pride blurs my vision. Pride blurs my vision. We all have perspective. We all see the world a little differently. And let's call this our lens. The, the way that we see the world. We all see slightly different. Um, we're all looking through different lenses because our lenses are made up of our experiences. The way that you see the world is, is seen through your perspective. It's seen through your experiences. It's seen through your beliefs. It's seen through um, the things that you have gone through and you have seen, right? So the lens in which you view the world through is personal to you. The way your pastor views the world is slightly different than the way I view the world. And the way you view the world is slightly different from the way your pastor views the world. And that's natural. That's normal. That's okay. The way you view the world, men, dad, is slightly different than the way mom views the world. No amens. You're scared. I understand. All right. Um, So uh, uh, I'm just kidding with you guys. I love you. Um, uh, But uh, the way we view the world is slightly different. And this is our lens right now. Um, When I was in high school, I had gone to an optometrist for the first time. I was 9th or 10th grade. And I remember when uh, the first time I got glasses, I put my glasses on. I walked outside of the optometrist's office and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the clarity that I could see the world. Honest. It was like night and day. I, and, and it's crazy because as a, as a, um, as a child growing up in the public school system, um, we had um, 
eye checkups in the class. So there was designated days where the teachers would, um, the, uh, they would bring us down to the nurse's office and, and there would be somebody there that knew how to check your eyes and they, we would have eye checkups. And so I know that as a child I had 20-20 vision, but by the time I got into high school, my vision had, had um, become blurred. I was functioning with blurred vision. Like as I was driving down the street and I was delivering pizzas for Domino's, I'm like looking for road signs. What does that say? Oh, that was my street. I'm like, turn around. I'm functioning. I mean, I could live. I played basketball. I could shoot a brick as well as anybody else in the room. I played basketball. I played baseball. I did everything with blurred vision and didn't know I had blurred vision. How is it that I could go from 20-20 vision as a child to blurred vision as a young adult? How could I not see this happening to me? Pride blurs my vision just the same way. It happens little by little, doesn't it? We see we let pride get in and we don't even recognize that the way that we see the world is completely blurred and skewed through our pride. And we don't recognize it. We don't see our own pride, right? Um, Pride blurs our vision in the same way. And we don't notice it's even happening. We think we see clearly, but we're not seeing clearly. Um, Pride gives us a distorted view of others. If you were to um, look in uh, Luke chapter number 7 and verse number uh, 39, Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. If you don't know the story, this is the story of, there were some, the Pharisees, they wanted to invite Jesus over. They wanted to have Jesus into their home. And so this Pharisee named Simon invites Jesus. Jesus comes and he's having dinner. He's having a meal and he's discussing maybe theology. He's discussing some things with the Pharisees. And as he's there, there was a woman that kind of, kind of uh, moved her way through the crowd in some way was able to get to the feet of Jesus. And she was crying and weeping on Jesus' feet. And she was wiping off Jesus' feet with the hairs of her head. And she was obviously a broken woman. And Simon, this Pharisee, he said within himself that's what the scripture says he said within himself the lens in which he views the world is blurred because of pride he said within himself if this man Jesus was a prophet if he was who he says he is he would he would not let this woman near him This Pharisee's vision was blurred. He saw this woman as having a problem. This woman as a sinner, but did not see himself as a sinner. Which is why Jesus says, Simon, I have somewhat to say against it. And he begins to tell Simon a story. And he highlights the fact that this woman was forgiven of much. And he highlights the fact that Simon had also been forgiven. But but Simon does not recognize that he needed forgiveness. Because his vision is blurred. Pride blurs my vision. It slurs my speech. It says in Colossians 4, Let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt. When I, have a dis, when I have a blurred vision of others, my speech becomes critical. How many, of you, how many of you have noticed that in your own life? When you begin to see things wrongly, you begin to become critical. Um, When I was um, in the first through the sixth grade, I actually had a speech impediment. I had a lisp. I um, 
I could not pronounce the letter S correctly. If you know him, I sounded like Sid the Sloth. I was just kind of, I talked like this. And I said, and Aaron, what's the, I say, hi teacher, I, I'm glad that I get to be here sometimes. You know, that's how I talk. And uh, you know what's interesting is from first to sixth grade, I went to speech therapy classes. You know, I never realized that I had a speech problem. I mean, I knew I had one because I was told I had one, but I, it didn't sound wrong to me. As I talked, as I said S, the way I say it today, I thought I said it this way, but I didn't. I said like this. And you might not, but you think, you know, you didn't really talk like that. I promise I talked like that. And the way that my teacher um, helped to correct that is she made me to overemphasize the S. She would make me just this, like, half an hour at a time just say the S correctly. You know, put the tongue on the, on the top of your mouth and speak it and overemphasize it. And so I would kind of, uh, this is how she corrected my speech. Now when pride begins to corrupt my speech, it's usually obvious to people around me, but it's not obvious to me. It's obvious to people around. It's just not obvious to me. I think I'm talking right. I think what I'm saying is honest when what I'm saying is unnecessary and unloving and hurtful and untimely and you see what's the problem the problem is pride only by pride cometh contention but because of my pride because pride has blurred my vision and I'm not seeing people correctly I'm seeing those people as them and they are sinners and this woman has a problem and this person's got a problem and and you don't understand the people I live with and because pride has begun to blur my vision it's also begun to slur my speech and I've begun to speak uh, poorly toward them or about them and and this is something that's real to every single one of us. We need to guard ourselves from pride. So pride, it blurs my vision, it slurs my speech, it slows my actions. Pride gives us a distorted view of others. It corrupts our speech toward others and of others. And, and uh, it is another dangerous tendency of pride that my actions are slowed toward others. Think of somebody, maybe it's Self, Maybe it's me. Maybe it's somebody else. But have you ever known somebody or maybe you were in this situation that something went wrong? There was, a, there was a problem. Somebody had stepped out of bounds biblically. Somebody had blatantly disregarded scripture and they had, they had completely gone away from the counsel of, of godly influences in their life, whether it's their pastor, whether it's their parents, whether it's some friends, whether it's a youth pastor, whoever it was, and they've decided to step out and begin to live in a sinful way. And it wasn't just like they, they, they made them, they, they sinned um, as in they were maybe in the wrong place at the wrong time and they did this and they came back and asked for forgiveness. It was like they jumped all in. They were just, they were going for it. I know I've been there. And I know I've seen people go there. But for a Christian, 
if I'm if pride has blurred my vision and it slowed my speech, it also slows my actions. And what ends up happening oftentimes when that person comes full circle and when they, like the prodigal son, realize that what they've done is wrong and they need a place to turn. Sometimes, if we're not careful, if we're allowing pride to blur our vision, to slow our speech, it slows our actions. And when that person comes back and they need help and they want help and they ask for help, we're slow to give them help. We say things, you made your bed, now lie in it. And that's pride. That's pride. They need help. We are to be restorers. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are to be people that look like Jesus, that love like Jesus, that act like Jesus, that talk like Jesus. We are Jesus followers. This isn't just a religious. We are not. Uh, we, are, we are Jesus followers. We are following Him. We are loving Him. We are serving Him. We are imitating Him. We want to be like Jesus. But so when somebody comes back and they say, I need help. I've had a problem. I went this way. I did this. I was a fool. I, whatever it was, you know what I did. I need your help. And we say, well, you made your bed now. Lie in it. Friend, I just want to point out. That's our pride. Jesus was not slow to act. But we can be. Why? Because pride blurs our vision. It slows our, it slow, it slows our speech and it slows our actions. The painful results of being slow to act is often, and you know somebody like this. When Christians are slow to act because of our pride, and you've met people this way, I don't really want to go to church anymore. Because I went to a church... And whatever the reason is, and I realize that's an excuse for some, but it's a, it's a legitimate stumbling block for others. Because some people have gone to a church that they fell and they were completely cut off and they were not loved and they were shunned or they were mocked or they were ridiculed and when they came back they kind of got this attitude like well you made your bed now lie in it and what that does is that produces non-Christians that produces people that feel like why, why, why should I go to church? And listen, again, I completely understand. There's some people that they're going to say that. The reason I don't go to church is because church is full of hypocrites. I, I am one, okay? I, I get that, right? You know, none of us are perfect. We don't live in perfect places. We don't have perfect people. We're not a perfect church. I totally understand that. But there are people that legitimately, that they have a hard time with church. And the reason is because they have, um, they have been hurt because they themselves made the first mistake. But when they came for help to the church, there have been churches that have pushed them away. And what we need to be is we need to avoid being people this way. And we need to avoid being a church this way. And the only way we can do that is if we will, if we will humbly deal with this issue of pride. Because pride, it blurs my vision. It slurs my speech. It slows my actions. And pride is contagious. This is the worst part because pride is so dangerous. Because um, the people that we're in, interacting with unknowingly are contracting our pride. And see, uh, even as a dad, <clears throat> I, I am naturally, I'm a dad, I'm naturally prideful. Any other dad's naturally prideful? Like it's built into you. Like it's a problem. 
Like we all have it. Like this is a, this is a this is a bad deal, and it is built into you. It, it, Adam, right? He sins. The woman thou gavest me. Very good, Adam. You learned how to blame shift. It wasn't you. It was her. <laughs> okay. She she made you that 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 little girl that I created from your ribs. She she raised her fist and she made you eat that, didn't she? No, no, not at all, right? Adam chose, and then he, he chose to sin, and then he chose to pridefully accuse his wife, right? <clears throat> it's built in us. It's built in every single one of us. And <clears throat> it's contagious. Your kids, your pride's rubbing off on them. Be careful. Um, other people are, co- are, are susceptible co- to contracting our pride. Um, in fact, Jesus said to the Pharisees that their converts were being made um, twofold children of hell because the Pharisee sins were even rubbing off on their converts and the converts of the Pharisees were even worse off than the Pharisees were. Do you remember when Jesus said that? Do you know why our pride is contagious? It's dangerous. We talk pridefully. We talk about people and it rubs off. So step number one is like this. They begin to see through your blurred lens. They begin to see through my blurred lens. Right? And then they begin to um, talk with slurred speech like I talk with slurred speech. And then they become slow to act on behalf of those people because they see that I'm slow to act on behalf of those people. And this is the worst part because pride is contagious. And while I might get my heart right and while God might convict me and I might, I might come forward and I might ask God to forgive me and I might repent of my sin, here's the most dangerous part. The people that I am inflicted, the people that I have given my pride to they might not ever get that right my little boy Jake if I continually live in a prideful way and if I, had a, if I let pride blur my vision toward my wife and slur my speech toward my wife and, uh, and, and slow my actions toward my wife one day and I might get this right. I, must, I might make this right. I might come to the altar and I might say, God, forgive me for my sin. But listen, once my pride is rubbed off on Jake, my asking Jesus for forgiveness and repentance and he does forgive... And he is able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. He will forgive me and he will fix me and he will transform my life. But here's what's scary to me. Is the person that I've inflicted with my pride, they need to come to Jesus to get that right. They might not ever get right. You want to talk? Listen, we can talk about other people. We can let pride slur our speech. We can talk about others. We can be hurtful and harmful. And we can um, kind, of, kind of tear down somebody's good name. And we can kind of, um, kind of twist the facts a little bit. And we can try to say what we, what we want people to hear. And we can kind of portray somebody else to be this monster. We can portray somebody else to be this unloving, uncaring person. That, they, that they're, they're mean and they're, they're this and they're that. We can do that. But listen, the people that you're talking to about them they're getting your pride it's rubbing off on them and they may not even know it and you might make that right but they might not ever pride is contagious 
So we realize, right? Pride makes me crazy. I am crazy. And it's, and it's pride that does it to me. The reason I'm so unloving to the people that love me and I love most and so gracious and kind to people that I don't know is because I'm senseless. It's because I'm impractical. It's because I'm crazy. And it's the pride that's made me crazy. So how can I get cured? Jesus cures crazy. You see, the answer is always and only Jesus. Would you go to 2 Corinthians with me? Jesus cures crazy. And this is what we need to understand. That um, first of all, I cannot cure my own crazy. There's no way, there's no possibility. I can't cure me. You can try. You can have a 12-step program. You can, you can go to all the church service you want to. You can't cure you. I can't cure me. I'm crazy. Yes, I'm crazy. Uh, but I can't cure me. I just can't do it. Only Jesus cures crazy. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, and that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, hence, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's past and future tense. It's past and future. It's, it has already happened and it is currently happening right now. Jesus has made me new and is in the process of making me new. Okay? It, Jesus is the answer. It, what's the question? It doesn't matter what the question is. Jesus is the answer. Uh, if, if pride is blurring my vision, Jesus is the answer. If pride is slurring my speech, Jesus is the answer. If pride is slowing my actions, Jesus is the answer. If pride is contagious, Jesus cures the crazy. Jesus is the answer. And so in first Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, he says in verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus cures crazy. I can't cure my crazy. Only Jesus can. And secondly, I need to believe the gospel. For Jesus to cure my crazy, I need to believe the gospel. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus was reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses. He's, he's, it also says here um, that in verse number 17, old things are passed away. How are they passed away? By believing the gospel. I need to believe the gospel. You say, I believe the gospel. That's why I'm here at Ambassador Baptist Church. I believe the gospel. You see, the gospel isn't just something that we believe to get us in the door. The gospel is something that we believe that transforms our life the first and every day after. 
It is Jesus. It is believing the gospel. It doesn't get any deeper than the gospel. When, when somebody says, um, Pastor, I'm just looking for, you know, the meat of the word, not the milk of the word. I, I always try to remind them the meat of the word is the gospel. It doesn't get deeper. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get more amazing. It is the gospel. Believe the gospel. I know you do believe the gospel, but recognize it in our lives today. How does reconciliation work? Two people are in relationship, right? A reconciling. It's about a, it's a, it's a, it's this idea of, of there's two people in a relationship and there's a problem. Something happened. At least one person broke the relationship. There's two people. So let's, we're talking dads. It's Father's Day, right? And so it's two people in a relationship. Me, my wife, or you and your wife. And here it is, dad. Or if you're not married, that's fine. It's you and whoever you want to put on the other side. Have fun with that, okay? Um, so it's me and my wife, and something happens, and somebody broke the relationship. Somebody said something, did something, whatever, and it was me. It's always me. That's some pastoral counseling for you, okay? It's always me, Dad. Um, so, okay, I did something, I, right? I let pride blur my vision, slur my speech. Now I'm in trouble. There's a break in our relationship. Reconciliation is... When love motivates somebody to reconcile, when love motivates one to, to go to the other, to fix the break. So the way it's supposed to work is if I'm the one that broke the relationship, that my love should motivate me to come and to say, I'm sorry, I failed. This is what I did wrong. And you know what happens in every single one of our relationships? Even if I'm the first to break it, then they break it too. You know why? Every single one of us is crazy. Every single one of us. Like, let's just say I'm rushing out the door to go to church. And I'm on time. Because I don't have to do my hair. I just basically roll out of bed, put some deodorant on, tie a tie, and I'm like, let's go. I don't know what takes you so long, woman. Well, how could you, why is it you woke up at five? How could you not be ready? You know, um, and so I, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting bold. I'm, I'm, you know, you should do this, you should do that. Why are you this? Why are you that? And she gets upset and she fires back at me and now we've got a problem. I have to be, I have to be loving enough to come and say, you know what, I was wrong. And just simply, I'm not trying to, to reconcile the relationship to get her forgiveness. I mean, excuse me, to get her apology, I'm just trying to get her forgiveness. I'm not seeking her apology. Well, you don't know what she said to me. Well, I'm a man. I can take it. She, didn't, she, she shouldn't have said it. But you know what? I started it. And so I'm going to fix it. So I'm going to reconcile. Why? Because I love. Love reconciles. And so, but the only way that reconciliation actually happens, the only way it actually occurs is if when there's a break in our relationship and I, out of love, begin to reconcile, I ask for forgiveness. The only way reconciliation ever happens is when the other person humbly accepts or humbly responds. Reconciliation only happens through love and humiliation. Yeah, you shouldn't have said that. I forgive you. It's okay. I know you love me, right? Reconciliation. Jesus reconciled the world unto himself. 
You know, and you know how humbling it is to be the one that starts the reconciliation process? Nobody likes this. This is why we're not good at it. Nobody likes to be the first one to say, I was dumb. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry for the way I treated you. I'm sorry for the look that I gave you. I'm sorry for the tone that I used. I'm sorry for the words that I spoke. I'm sorry. I apologize. It is so humbling to be this one. This is why we're not very good at it. Because we're crazy. We, pride makes us crazy. But we need Jesus to cure our crazy. And this is the fact. That Jesus came reconciling the world unto himself. And Jesus came humbly. Humbly. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, um, uh, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, it is through the cross that crushes pride. When we go back to the cross, we ha- our pride gets crushed. If we come back and we honestly behold the cross and we honestly kneel before the cross, our pride is absolutely killed. Pride can't live at the cross. I can't look at the cross of Jesus and, and walk away prideful. And if I did, it was, it was uh, if, I can, if I can kneel and look at the cross of Jesus and I can walk away unchanged... I'm just not repentant. I'm living religiously. I'm, I'm kneeling religiously. I'm kneeling out of duty. I'm kneeling because I'm a Christian. That's what Christians do. I'm singing because I'm a Christian. That's what Christians do. I'm listening to preaching because that's what Christians do. I don't, I'm not really into it. It's okay. It's good for my kids. It's good for my wife. It's good for my husband. It's good for those guys. You know, um, if I'm going to come and kneel to the cross and walk away unchanged, listen to me, friend. It's pride is stopping me. Pride stops. Pride has blurred my vision. It slowed my actions. I need to make this right. Jesus died for pride. Six things that the Lord hate. Yea, seven is an abomination. A proud look. He that sowed discord among the brethren. The list started and ended with pride. Jesus died for my pride. My pride killed him. It wasn't it pride that cast Satan. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And then he sells the same line to Eve. Eve, if you'll eat this, you will be like gods. I will be like a god? Yes. Let's have this. It's our pride. But the cross kills our pride. Um, live unto Jesus. I love this. He died for all. They, they that which should live not henceforth live unto themselves, but live unto him. Our lives are now because we've been purchased by the blood of Christ that we are no longer to live for ourselves or unto ourselves. We're to live unto him. My whole my life isn't mine anymore. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which which um this is God. God has purchased you. He has bought you. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Everything. This is all God's. And so because I've been bought with a price, I need to live unto Him. So live unto Him. And what that means is it's further than believe. Okay, I believe the gospel. Now it's jump into it. Live it out. 
Not just believe it, live unto Jesus. Because there's a difference oftentimes in the way that we believe and the way that we live. And so we are commanded to believe the gospel and we are commanded to live unto Jesus. To live this out every single day. Believe, um, but don't stop believe. Jump in. God didn't save us so that we could continue to live our lives without fear of hell. Jesus didn't save us to simply give us freedom from hell. He didn't, Jesus did not go to the cross so that I could live my life however I want to live it, feeling freed from the consequences of hell. Like, it's okay. I can do what I want. I can say what I want. I can go where I want. I can live however I feel like living. This is my life. You only live once. I can do anything I want to do. It's no big deal. Oh, being prideful to my wife. Well, you know, it's not really the best. You're a preacher. That works for you. That's fine. Um, being prideful toward my husband. You know, you don't really understand what I have to live with. Um, being prideful toward my kids. Being prideful toward my, my coworkers. You know, I'm just going to live my life my way. I don't really think it's that big of a deal. It's just a little sin. You think pride's big. I think pride's little. You know, it's all about that lens you were talking about. It's all about perspective. It's not really that big of a deal. I'm going to live my life my way. Jesus did not save me to live my life my way. He saved me to live my life His way. In fact, He really saved me to live my life through me. My life, I mean, this is, this is Jesus. He died for me. I owe him everything. But I don't live for him because I owe him. I live for him because I love him. I don't live for Jesus because I owe him anything. And I owe him a lot. I live for Jesus because there's nobody greater. There's nobody more beautiful. There's nobody more loving. There's nobody more gracious. There's nobody more kind. There's nobody more amazing. Jesus is everything. He is he is amazing. Um, God didn't save us so that we could continue to live our lives independently from God. We are crazy. Pride makes us crazy, but Jesus cures the crazy. Jesus' birth should humble us to think that God wants to be close to us. Jesus' patience with us should humble us. Jesus' attitude towards sinners should humble us. Jesus' willing prayer in Gethsemane should humble us. Jesus' selfless death on the cross should crush our pride. So this morning I want to encourage you to pray that Jesus would heal your blurred vision. Just in case you forgot, there's one thing that Jesus does very well. It's heal the blind. It's make the, make the dumb to speak. He makes the lame walk. So today let me encourage you, pray Jesus. Heal my blurred vision. Jesus. Heal my slurred speech. Jesus. Forgive my slow actions. Jesus, heal me from this disease of pride. Head bowed and eye closed. Eyes closed, please.